I'm Carrick MacDonald, and this is Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns Local History Show on Cam Glen Radio. This is the eighth in a series of programmes about Rutherland in the 1950s, in which David Jackson shares with us some of his recollections of life in the town at that time. Yeah. And we're talking about Rutherland. Aye. Uh-huh. This is the great thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh-huh. I'm a keen Rutherland historian, and mm. this is Rutherland we're sure. talking about, you sure. know. Sure. In this programme, David continues to talk about Blackfold's farm and about the rural nature of the land to the west side of Rutherland, as he saw it when he was growing up there. Hey, I watched Tory Glen being built. Mm. It only started to get built in 1951-52. That was all a Black Falls farmland. Mm-hmm. As a wee boy, we roasted totties in there. I remember you said, yeah. That was yeah, my yeah. earliest memory, <laughs> waiting in a totty off the big boys. <laughs> You're getting a roast totty, Davy. My earliest memory of life. <laughs> um, so, it was relatively rural. Mm. There was no Tory Glen. Yep. Between my street, the last street in Brotherhood, the next thing was Hamden Park. Mm-hmm. My dad told me a great thing. Mm. He says, when I moved in here in 1933, I used to lie in my bed, wait till you hear this story, mm. and I could hear corncrakes. Really? Corncrakes. Goodness. Uh, a summer visitor from Central Africa, mm. uh, known as the ghost bird, mm-hmm. because you hear them but you don't see them. Yeah. And um, I have I, I seen corncrakes in the island of Cornsey, and I've seen them in Tyvee, mm-hmm. but it's hard work. You can hear them, but you never see them. Aye. My dad heard... Corncrakes in Tory Glen in 1933. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Two things. Mm. In the early 50s, it was Tory Glen Golf Course, an Inco Golf Course, Mm -hmm. and we relayed our back green uh, um, with the the turf. My dad cut out the turf. Mm. He dug a channel and put put broken bricks into it. He then, from White's Chemical Work, you hear this? Mm-hmm. Got ash mm-hmm. and put a layer of ash over it. Really? Oh, oh God. <laughs> and, um, and then he put topsoil mm-hmm. and then he laid the Tory Glen Golf Course turf wow. in our back green. Goodness. So I can say that my back green today mm. is actually the Tory Glen Golf Course green. Goodness. I, so when did that uh, golf course shut down then? That golf course shut down in 1946. Right. It opened in 1895. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he... Um, the most famous trophy was called the Cameron Corbett Cup. Mm-hmm. And my dad's two older brothers caddied on it. Really? They never played golf. Uh, they weren't mm-hmm. golfers. Yeah. But they caddied on it. Mm. And they, in this Cameron Corbett Cup, played in either June or July, mm-hmm. was the big tournament. Mm. And it was well entered around Glasgow. Right. It was well entered. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, an amazing thing. When it opened in 1895... Here's a great wee story. The golf house was the original Tory Glen Farm House. Is it the clubhouse, right? The clubhouse oh, yeah, is right. the word, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The clubhouse mm-hmm. was the Tory Glen Farm House. Wow. And I've got a photograph here with mm. thatched, a thatched roof. Really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> in 1896, and mm. all the golfers are sitting, and as they did in the days, they crossed their legs. Yep. You know, making yes. a done oh, thing yeah, with yeah, men. Yeah, right. They're all sitting with their legs crossed, <laughs> and maybe uh, one driver or something. Mm, aye, uh-huh. And they're all sitting there with their big walrus moustaches mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. beards, yep. and their deerstalker hats. Goodness. Wow. And I've got this photograph. Yeah. But I researched it, and I found out that the Tory Glen Farmhouse became the clubhouse. Mm. 
1895 it opened, 1896, mm -hmm. the Cameron Corbett Cup, mm -hmm. my two uncles caddied on yep. it. It closed in 1946 mm -hmm. and um, had a great wee history. Mm. I made inquiries about that Cameron Corbett Cup and um, I found something out. Mm. It's still getting played for. Really, is that right? When it finished in '46, mm. if you're a golfer, mm -hmm. carry. Yep. It was given to Hags Castle Golf Club. Really. And they play for it every year. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. Now, yeah. if you want to do me a favour, mm. I want a photograph here. <laughs> I want a photograph of this. It's a vase, by the way. It's uh -huh, no yeah. cup. Right. It's the Cameron Corbett vase. It's uh -huh. a glass vase. Okay. But it has a base, mm. and I would love to get the inscriptions of the winners. Sure. Only the Tory Glen winners, eighteen ninety five to nineteen forty six. So if you're not a busy man, right. <laughs> you're a joke for you. I'll try and get a game across there then. Right? Aye, eighteen ninety five to nineteen forty six. Mm -hmm. The winners are Tory Glen mm -hmm. and a photograph of the, the Cameron Corbett vase. In an earlier program, David had talked about the Berlini Pend in Rutherglen, and I'd meant to ask him at the time how it got its name. I'd also meant to ask him about Cushy Stones, which he talked about earlier as well. You were talking earlier on about, uh, you mentioned it before, about the, the Berlini Pend. Uh, that name to me, Berlini, clearly is to do with uh, the prison. Yes. So where's the connection there then? How, how did that name come to be in that Pend? Well, the connection is this, mm. that uh, from what I am led to believe, yeah. seemingly, that... The entrance to Berlini Prison, mm -hmm. well, it has to have a pen right. for the, the what's the word for them? The Black Mariahs, or oh, whatever yeah, you yeah. call them. Uh -huh, yeah. In the days, they took the prisoners in and out, yes. in these uh, vans, yep. prison vans. Right. Um, um, so, the same pen, mm. that's the original old pen in Berlini, mm -hmm. which, from what I know, must is still there, or must still be there, right. as a, as a, a twin Mm. To that Berlini pen, right? to that pen. Ah, right. So that was easy to give that pen a nickname right. of the Berlini pen. Wow, right, I that. that. And, yeah. and, and the entrance again that I talk about to all pens with cushy stains. Yes, I remember. And they had the guards at either side right. that I spoke about, the cast uh -huh. iron guards, uh -huh. so you didn't hit the wall, you yep. had the, yep. the guard. Um, but that's how it got its name, yep. the Berlini pen. Mm. And the Berlini pen is one of them that's went back for that, that building went up. Yep. That building probably went up. Um, late 1899, 1900, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. one or two. Uh, and it's always had that name. Well, it's always had that name. But as I told you, mm. every pen in Rutland has a nickname. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if I hadn't listened long ago, because need to live in the day, could tell you. I remember you saying. Could tell you Murdoch's yeah, yeah. pen. Could tell you McConnell's pen. Could tell you Maxwell's pen. Of course. Could yeah. tell you Walker's pen. Because mm -hmm. I'm not living the day. No, of course, of course. Um, cushy stones, are they similar to cobblestones? Aye, Same cobblestones. Idea. We call them cushy stones. Aye, aye, yeah. But many people call them cushy stones. Right, and they're hard, cobblestones. Hard, hard wearing. Aye. Forever. Yeah, yeah. Forever and ever. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. I think there's still some places in Rutherland you can still find cushy stones. Mm, mm -hmm. I'm sure there is. Sure. Um, but aye. Aye, there Continuing the rural theme of the earlier part of this programme, David finishes by telling us about Bankhead Estate the last country estate in Rutherglen, home of landed gentry and also of David's uncle. After the Second World War, my dad's oldest brother Matthew, 
who was born in 1906 in the Main Street, was demobbed from the Royal Air Force. Sometime, and sometime about the late 1940s, he got a job as a gardener on Bankhead Estate, which was situated behind both the Paddling Pond and Mitchell's Farm. Mm-hmm. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you're listening to Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns local history show on Cam Glen Radio. In this eighth programme in the series about Rutherglen in the 1950s, David Jackson is sharing with me some of his recollections of life in the town at that time. This was the last ever estate in the parish of Rutherglen. It was owned by Professor James Quigley. His father, also James, bought the estate in 1922 from Colonel James Menzies, who owned the Phoenix Tube Works in Domarnock Road, Rutherglen. The Quigleys, who originally came from Marlin Head, up at the most northerly point in Donegal, now owned the estate. And my uncle was also given a house on the estate. This house was built in 1622. The inscription was above the lintel in the front door. And it said also, Walter White and Jane Stephen, Baroness of Bella Houston. I could really elaborate here and get into a full history of this house. These whites were not related to the whites of White's Chemical Works. Mm -hmm. These were different whites. And they were on this estate for 300, 350 years. Um, They always described themselves as landed proprietors. Mm -hmm. But this estate was only about 20... Bankhead Estate was only about 28 acres, to my knowledge, Mm -hmm. maybe 30 odd. So where, how were they landed proprietors (laughs) and how did they manage to own this estate? Mm. That took me many, many years to find out, but find out I did. They were landed proprietors on the Isle of Butte. Oh really? Yeah, Ah. on the Isle of Butte. But I don't want to go in too much to that. They were the people and that's what it said above the lintel. Okay. Unfortunately, um, there is no great pictorial history of this house, but let's see. It was originally the one and only mill mill for the parish of Rutherglen. This house was the mill mill in Rutherglen. Mm. It only ceased working as a mill in 1865 when the miller, Robert Downs, was accidentally caught in the grinding machine and was crushed to death, leaving a wife and children. Mm -hmm. I've actually got that death certificate. You know, Mm -hmm. I I went to Edinburgh Mm -hmm. to try and find out when this actually happened and who he was. There is mention in the the history books, I think it's either a Shearer's book or either Hugh Muir's book where Mm -hmm. he mentions the Miller, but he doesn't say who. But yeah. anyway, it was Robert Downs mm. in 1865. In Rutherglen lore, the author W. Ross Shearer reports in true Gothic style that poor Mr. Downs, the miller, before being extricated from the rollers of the grinding machinery, called for writing materials with which he executed a will in favour of his family. So thereafter, the, the mill ceased to be in use. Mm-hmm. Of course, it had... Uh, 
a, a wheel at the end of the house, at the gable end of the house, mm -hmm. and the feeder was the West Burn, not far up from where that was situated. Uh, two burns join each other, the Boer Tree Burn and the Spittle Burn, and further up than that. They actually, people in Rugland will know that um, the Burnside of the Burnside Loch, high up in Burnside, that was a man-made loch to be a feeder. There was a sluice to feed the mill. Yes. As I say, I could go into a great mm. deal about the mill, the estate, mm -hmm. and the, the whites, the original people. Yeah. But I, I'll not go into that. I want to tell you about um, about the mill. Um, the house sat in a courtyard with what was, would originally have been stables and a row of cast-iron fenced-in chicken pens. But by the time my uncle resided in it, these stables had been converted into garages for professors, Quigley's two Rolls Royces. You know, there was a man who was full-time employed. His name was Jack Conway. Mm -hmm. And um, he he was there every day when we visited uh, my uncles and regularly. My dad's brother, mm -hmm. close, we were close. Um, my three cousins were born in this house and up until they left the estate in 1955, we visited them on a very regular basis. I have even slept over in this mule mill. Unfortunately, when they moved out in 1955, the mule mill lay derelict for the next almost 20 years and was demolished in 1974. Wow, yeah. Now, mm. what really upsets me is... I have got some family photographs mm -hmm. of my cousins in the yard and, and round behind the, the house, right. but no really good pictures. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for me, I always knew I should have taken photographs of, of that, yeah. and there's no great pictorial history. Ah, that's a shame. But what I did do was this. Mm. From my memory, a man who was in the heritage group with me, a good man, Tommy Lawson, mm -hmm who only died a year or so ago, he's a good artist. And from my memory, I got Tommy to draw the mule mill. I saw that picture. Have I've you? Seen it. Yeah, I've seen yeah. it. I got Tommy to draw the picture of the mule mill. Wow. From my memory, yeah. you see? Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, and I've got the photographs of my cousins, you yeah. know. And did the final paint, uh, the, the, the drawing, was it quite a, as you remember it then? Well, uh, he took it from another sketch, which was incorrect, if Aye. I want to be honest. Right. I told him. Yeah. He had already drawn it yeah, from yeah. this sketch in a, a, in the Ross Shearer's a, a book, yes. um, Ruglan Lower. Yeah. And I said, that's, that's wrong. Mm. And I knew it was wrong. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, you show me how it is. Mm. And I'd done a rough drawing <laughs> and made him improve it. Mm. And then he improved it. He enhanced it even more. Sure. Yeah. And um, to... I was happy with it, mm. but it's taken from this side of the burn, mm -hmm. you see, and it shows the wall and it shows the wheel, which yeah. I don't remember the wheel. He right. added the wheel in, but there was obviously a wheel. Sure. But uh, on the other side of the wall, you went up a set of six steps to go onto a landing, which was the courtyard. Mm. And these quaint uh, stables with turrets, um, like baronial style architecture, oh. Oh. with turret turrets, uh, round turrets mm. with a slate, yep. balahuli slate, wee small slates, mm -hmm. and um, oh, it was truly quaint. Mm -hmm. We are talking, when you stood in that courtyard, you were standing 
1622. Sure, yeah. <clears throat> now I'm going on a wee bit more about this, but maybe I should. Yeah. Um, you see, uh, the whites, the landed proprietors, tell you a wee bit, one quick bit. They were part, the, this this uh, estate was passed from son to son to father to son, etc. Mm-hmm. And they all went by two names. Walter White left it to George White. George White left it to Walter White. Walter White left it to George White. That went on for hundreds of years. Mm. It was the odd William and John, but yeah. basically that was the family names. Mm. The White still had uh, the estate up until um, 1880s. Mm-hmm. Um, well, they moved away or died out. I can't answer that. But I did say that the Quigleys in 1922 bought it off a a Colonel James Menzies. Mm-hmm. Menzies was in it for about 20 years. And prior to that, uh, a man called Forrest, I believe he was Provost of Rutherland, but he certainly owned the Avonbank Powerloom Weaving Factory. Mm-hmm. He resided in it. He owned the estate. Mm-hmm. So there was a couple of owners after the Whites moved out. Yeah. I'm Carrick MacDonald, and you've been listening to Halfway to Borough, the Two Towns Local History Show on Cam Glen Radio. Many thanks to David Jackson for talking to me about Rutherland in the 1950s and to Zen Boyd of Rutherland Heritage Centre for her help and support. The music was by Sugar Nifty. If you've got any comments on this programme or you've got some ideas for future local history programmes, please contact me by email history at camglenradio.org. I hope you enjoyed that programme and that you can join me again next time. Until then, bye-bye. Sadly, David Jackson passed away unexpectedly on the 3rd of November 2020. David was the font of all knowledge when it came to the history of Rutherglen. A proud Raglonian and a well-kent figure around the town, he'll be greatly missed. Radio is an amazing medium. It can inspire, entertain, inform and connect people. This station, Cam Glen Radio, is run by a dedicated, passionate and committed team of volunteers and you can be one of those volunteers too. It doesn't matter if you're an experienced broadcaster or if you've never set foot in a studio in your life. We provide all the training and support that you need to do what you want to do. And it's a great way of making new social connections, learning new skills, expanding on your CV and just having loads of fun. So to find out more about volunteering with Cam Glen Radio, just email volunteering at healthynhappy.org.uk.
Circuit to Spring Hall, Eastfield to Spittle, and across the southeast of Glasgow. This is Cam Glen Radio for the community.
You're tuned in to 107.9 FM, Cam Glen Radio. Your voice, your music, your station. <laughs> 